Well, I make a distinction in preaching tonight. I call it a sermon if I'm taking a text and explaining the text. I call it a homily if I'm taking an event and explaining the event. So tonight will be a homily. It'll be rather short, and I hope, as I prayed, very practical. The event is Lent, and I want to explain Lent to us and hopefully do something that will be useful to you in these next 40 days. And here, just in case, in case you miss it, here's my main point. The simple point is Lent is about unclogging the filter. Think about all the different places in your life there is a filter. I started making a list of this, and then I actually stopped because it got so long, but because our car is overdue for the oil change, I started with the car, and I thought automotive things have filters. There's an oil filter, there's an air filter, there's a fuel filter. There's actually, in the newer cars, there's a cabin air filter. If you have a swimming pool, there's a water filter. If you have a boat, there's at least one water filter if it has an intake, and then there's all the other engine filters. If you think about other places in your home, the shower drain has a filter. You can lift that thing up and see what's hanging underneath it. (laughs) In the kitchen, there's a strainer in the sink. I got in trouble with one of the staff who saw me pulling the strainer out and pushing stuff down the drain, and they went, you know, the strainer's there to catch that so you can lift it out and put it in the garbage can. (laughs) My bad. The point of the strainer, though, is, is to catch that stuff, but if it gets full, then the flow doesn't work. It backs up. It, it gets clogged. So if the filters are clogged, the whole thing isn't functioning like it's supposed to. And here's the point of that metaphor. We are sinners, and we are in a broken and fallen world. And even though, as Christians, if you're a Christian, your desire is to do what is right, to honor God, to serve him, to become more and more like him, but that old sinner still is in there. And as we live throughout the year and throughout the, the course of our days, we start to fall back into old patterns. Old habits are there. Pressures, temptations, things creep in. And, and it, to use the metaphor, the filter starts to get clogged and the flow isn't there. Now, one time Jesus said something really powerful in a very pregnant moment in a big feast It was the last of several days, and they had a lot of water symbolic in that feast, and they would pour water, and Jesus stood up on the last day of the feast, and he shouted, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink, for out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And he was speaking of the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of God that Christ has sent to dwell within us. And that river of living water should flow. The Holy Spirit should be flowing through our lives, empowering this life, making us more and more like Christ. But it gets clogged. Our lives get clogged. And what Lent is about is it's just the natural rhythm. You know, there's a frequency of how often you need to change your oil filter in your car. The same is true of your own life. And the church for centuries has set aside Lent as a natural time to consider that. Is the Holy Spirit flowing through my life? Am I pursuing holiness and growing in Christ-like character? Am I serving the way that God intended me? And if not, why not? So here's my question for you tonight. How is the flow in your life? How is that river, that stream of living water, how is that flowing in your life? Is it clogged? What could be clogging it? So Lent will give you a natural time to consider that. 
What the Lord has done for us is he's given us good news. He saved us. He set us free. We're forgiven of our sins because of what he's done on the cross, and he set us free to pursue this new life. And so the, the, this river is supposed to flow well. Now, if you're not sure what's clogging it in your life, there are some things that are really helpful, natural things that Christians have done for 2,000 years, meditating on the scriptures. That's why I read those passages slowly and encouraged you to ask the Lord to speak to you from his word. And really, if something stood out in any one of those readings, go back to it later, mark it. Go back to it later and press in and say, Lord, why that verse? Why did that stand out? And then don't settle until you get an answer. Press into him. Prayer, talking to the Lord, asking him. Scripture, prayer, fasting, giving. Giving alms is a natural thing to do. The clog of our, of our life sometimes is that we're holding on to stuff. And when we give things away, we find why we were clogged. It was some attachment to material things. And by giving something away, those other things get set free too. Now, fasting is something that people do in Lent. And um, it's very common for people to fast from things other than food. But I do want to say that primarily fasting from food is the most helpful because our bodies are spoiled, little spoiled children, and they cry out, feed me, I need my food now. And what happens is we, our lives get clogged because we learn to obey that, and our bodies rule, rule over our soul, and that's backwards. Our soul is supposed to be in charge, our spirit, so to speak, and our body is supposed to serve that. But we get into the habit of food. And if you stop eating food for a little while, you start to find all sorts of things that are clogging up that drain. It's a helpful thing. Now, I will say in our culture right now, there's another thing that is so common, so prevalent, that it's worth considering, and that's technology. Technology is everywhere. We can't, you can't live in this world without it. It is all around us. And we sometimes are run over by it. So you might want to actually turn your phone on silent and leave it in the other room and not carry it in your pocket. It's become a part of us like an appendage. That can clog us up. Put that away. Put away food sometimes. You know, it's so central to our lives, technology and food. My daughter, who's a musician and takes lessons from a teacher, is told that she only has to practice on days when she eats. <laughs> Right? Because how rare is it to actually go a day without eating? How rare is it to actually go a day without looking at your phone? Right? So consider that. Now, what I'd like to do briefly here is I would like to be highly practical and give you what I consider six rules. They're not exhaustive. I made them up this week. Six rules for Lenten disciplines. And right away, I need to caution you. Because the minute that we put any kind of a rule or a law out there, the inner Pharisee in us roars its ugly head and then wants to win the game. It wants to achieve. We want to do the work so that we can say, look at how good I am. Good job, Mike. Good job. You're such a good little person. That's not the point. So I want to be, I want to caution you, whatever discipline you take on or whatever thing, you put, whatever thing it is that you put off in this next 40 days, that you would recognize it is not about salvation. That was done on the cross a long time ago. And when you repent of your sin and come to Christ, you are saved. In fact, you are raised with him already and seated with him in the heavenlies, it says in Ephesians. That's already done. 
This is now about living out the rest of the life in gratitude to him. So there's more to this life, but it does not save you. This is not about salvation. This is about just how to, how to have a holy Lent. So the first thing, and you might want to grab a pen and just write these on your bulletin, take them home. The first thing is it's never too late to start. There are 40 days of Lent, and today is the first day. Now, I'm not going to publicly embarrass you and ask you to raise your hand if you've already prayerfully discerned what your Lenten practices are going to be. But I will tell you, I've just kind of informally been surveying some people today and asking them. I asked one person earlier, and I said, um, I said, are you ready for Lent? And he said, yeah. And I said, do you have a plan? <laughs> he said, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> That's his first Lenten discipline. He's not going to tell a lie. But I want to say, it's okay if you don't know, and if you don't come away tonight with a plan, and it takes a week, two weeks, if you find yourself in the third or fourth week of Lent and you still don't have a plan, it's still not too late to start. Unclog the filter. This is an ongoing thing. It's a natural part of the rhythm of discipleship. So first, it's never too late to start. Second, don't quit. Originally, I wrote, if you mess up. But I'm going to just go ahead and say it. When you mess up, whatever it is that you take on, when you mess that up, don't quit. Just pick it up the next day. Just press on. Also, motivation is everything. That's the third thing. Never quit. Uh, it's never too late to start. Don't quit. And motivation is everything. Why you're doing it is so important. So let's take the food thing. If you decide to fast and you're thinking, you know what, I'm going to kill two birds with one stone because I really want to get into bathing suit uh, body shape and I'm going to try and shed some of those winter pounds and I'm going to detox because I've been eating like terrible. Well, just recognize that's your motivation. And so it's not, God, show me through fasting what's clogging my life from the Holy Spirit's presence. Just recognize that motivation and ask yourself, why am I doing this? And if, you're, if you don't have an answer, or if you don't like your answer, quit right there. Stop that discipline. Stop that practice. Go back to the Lord and ask him for a new one, a more helpful one, a more useful one. I'm not saying that fasting for health purposes is bad. I think it's good. Just recognize why you're doing it. The, the point of all this Lent stuff is not to give things up. Lent is not about giving up chocolate. I like chocolate. This year, I'm not giving up chocolate. I'm just telling you that. So if you are, come see me. I will gladly take your chocolate. <laughs> motivation. Motivation is what matters. Fourth, keep it between you and God. It's relational. It's personal. This, the gospel reading said, be careful of practicing your righteousness in order to be seen by others. So do it in secret if you can. But again, it's about grace, not law. Don't make a rule out of it. Don't make a, you know... It, Sometimes if you are actually fasting from food, you have to let people know that because if you're awkwardly sitting there at some lunch appointment not eating and they think something's wrong, you just have to say, well, I, I'm, it's a little personal thing between me and the Lord. But don't try to make it be known. Make it between you and God. Invite him into it. Say, God, I'd like to give this thing up or I'd like to take this new practice on. I'm going to need your power to do it. Let's do it together. It's personal. Make it relational. That's fourth. Fifth, Sundays in Lent do not count. 
If you do the math and you get a calendar and you count from today, which is March 1st, until Easter Sunday, it's not 40 days, it's 46 days. And that's because there are six Sundays in Lent and they are always a feast day. So we have Holy Communion on Sundays, which help, it helps us keep things in perspective. The resurrection has already happened. It's so easy for us to go morbid. We can, I mean, we can, we can put on the dark, long cassocks, which I decided not to use this year. We can dim the lights down. We can hang our heads. We can, we can you know, we, it's so easy to become goth and morbid and dress in all black like we're grieving something. That's not the purpose. That's not the point. So we don't want to do that. We want to remain joyful throughout all of this. You know, Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And even as we recognize our shortcomings and confess our sin, we have to remember that there is blessedness in doing so. Because as soon as we bring it to God, he's even quicker to forgive us than we are to confess it. So there's joy. There's joy in this season. And Sundays remind us of that. So Sundays don't count. So you can give up whatever thing or you can take on whatever thing, but then when Sunday comes, change that. Have Sunday be a feast day because of the resurrection. Hang on to joy. And then six and last, expect God's reward. He's made some pretty big promises in the scriptures. He said, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father in secret. And the, and the Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you fast, do it in secret, and he will reward you. When you give alms, do it in secret. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand has done, and he will reward you. Well, what is that reward? God is good. His word is always trustworthy. And if he's saying that, press in. Go into Lent with an expectation. God, show me what the reward is. I'm fasting so that I can have more of you in my life. Show me what it looks like. And don't give up until he answers. Press in. Hold him to his word. He wants us to do that. I encourage you to expect him to respond and to bless you in this practice through Lent. Now, I want to just conclude with a practical word before we go to ashes. You know, this service really preaches more so than anything I would say. Just what we do is speaking volumes. So in a moment, we're going to come forward and we're going to receive ashes on our forehead. And I want to point out that the ashes are a sign of death. In fact, the, the words that we will use as we put them on your forehead are lifted straight from the curse of God he placed on Adam and Eve in Genesis 3 after they had disobeyed him and rebelled. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. That's dark. But I want you to know two things. We put them on your forehead in the sign of a cross, and the ashes are actually taken from last Holy Week's Palm Sunday. The palms are burned and saved for this service. And that's a reminder that Jesus is the king, he's victorious, and death does not get the last word. So you are, as I said already, you are already raised with Christ in new life if you are a Christian. So yes, I am a sinner. Yes, I deserve death. But Jesus gives life, and I have the sign of the cross on my forehead. So now as we come forward, you'll receive that, and... Some of us would be tempted to go out and go to the store and sort of wear that around. If that's you, you probably should wash that off before you leave this building. Some of you, however, might be a little bit shamed about your faith. You have an opportunity to proclaim it, and I might encourage you to consider leaving those ashes on and going to whatever you're going to do the rest of this evening. But if you're going to do that, I want you to think about your answer, because people will ask, 
You know, if you're going to dinner after this and you walk up to the, you know, cashier or something and you've got a big black smudge on your forehead, they might overlook it, but it's too tempting to say, you know, you got some dirt right on your forehead. What are you going to say in that moment? You have an opportunity. So be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have and say something like, oh, I'm a Christian and I'm just coming from church. And this is a reminder that I'm a broken sinner, but I'm saved in Jesus. I'd love to talk more about it with you or whatever. Think about what you're going to say. So now we're going to transition, and I'm going to ask Dan to come over as our officiant tonight, and he is going to bless the ashes for us and lead us in the next portion of our service tonight.